I mean, you've got your own podcast, so you probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, we do. I mean, we just record into like my MacBook, like just like the native mic on it. But, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on a bit of a hiatus right now. Ah, me. yeah, I saw the blog. Like I've been doing the blog bit for I... three years, but I've had like other blogs that you know. Okay. If you add them all together, it's probably been like ten years. Ten years of blog. Yeah, I hear you. Of, of creating content and. Yeah, well, I used to do a lot of uh, music freelance writing too, like in my twenties, and then. Uh, most of the magazines went out of business. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, we can talk about all and, this. And so they went the online. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, before we get into any of all of that stuff, um, Furniture Bank. Yes. You volunteer with them. Yes, I That's do. awesome. We just used them. Oh, really? And I've had nothing but great experiences. Yeah. It's, like you personally? Yeah. Like just literally this past last week. Oh, wow. They okay. came and picked up two couches. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I've been... Uh, God, I've been volunteering for them like, for about like four years. Yeah. Yeah, just like various things. Like a lot are, you know, it's a bit of kind of PR matchmaking. But, you know, I've okay. written, I just, you may have seen, I tweeted something today that I wrote for their website. Mm-hmm. Um, just articles. You know, helping them with like, I guess, like PR and marketing strategy. I've helped like in the warehouse a few times. Just, okay. you know, wherever they need. Yeah, it was interesting. Awesome. I, I, um, we went, so Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day, one of those days, yeah. uh, my wife wanted a brand new sectional. Okay. So we went to uh, Queen Street West, um, and, and we and we went to, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but it's, it's beside CB2. Okay. Um, so anyways, we went in there and I asked her, because you know, we, we, we actually have you know, four couches in, in, our, in our place. Okay. One, one of them is a pull-out bed. Yeah. Um, and out of them, we wanted to get rid of three of them. Okay. Um, and, and and so I asked the lady after we bought, I said, listen, will, will your guys take our old stuff? Yeah. And she said, no, but, you know, you can call these guys or whatever. And so she gave us a brochure. Yeah. Furniture bank. Um, and my wife and you, a couple of other people that are that are sort of helping out immigrants and, okay, and, and refugees yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So literally filled out the form on, on the furniture bank website. Yeah. Got, a, got a, an, an email, I think. Uh, the, the next day, yeah. um, spoke with someone. They told me how it works, yeah. the, the cost, the, the tax rebate. Yeah. Um, and literally, they came. They picked. They called before they came to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, they picked it up. It was quick and easy. Um, and then they've touched base with me like three times. Oh, perfect. They called yeah. and said thank you. They emailed and said thank you. Um, and it's like I'm feeling better and better and better. Yeah. Well, they. I mean. They're a pretty amazing organization. The guy who runs it, the executive director, is actually like comes from the tech scene. Like he used to work for Lava Life and Nortel. Oh wow! So like he started. I mean, he started after I started volunteering for them because I remember talking to him because I have so much like consumer tech background and I, I wasn't working at Twitter yet. Um, yeah, like he he worked for Nortel and he worked for like Lava Life. So he he. Uh, installed this whole new like logistics system and they're using like this custom salesforce stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's quite something a lot of their drivers are former uh, clients of theirs too so people that used to use this service they have like job skills training yeah uh, they have like an apprentice they have like an elect- electrician shop there so they fix up like old tvs and stuff like That's it's amazing yeah it's quite the operation if you ever i mean they're in like south etobicoke i'm actually going there this friday just to okay volunteer a bit but yeah if you ever get a chance to go down there it's uh it's a it's, quite the operation yeah i was i was very happy and very pleased yeah you know yeah. to to use them um and uh yeah so i just wanted to let you and i don't know i, I guess i checked you out on linkedin when, yeah. when i knew we were going to speak and i go sure. furniture bank and i go 
get out of town. I'm just like yeah. calling them to, to, to arrange yeah. all this stuff. No, you kind of get around. So. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, so I, I need to ask this question. So sure. you're, you're head of communications yes. at Twitter Canada. Yeah. Um, what does that actually mean? Um, so like I, I'm basically like any media stuff with regards to Twitter in this country. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, I mean, and, you know, there's kind of the core stuff, you know, stuff happening with the platform. If there's a new video tool or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we integrate Periscope further, or we add stickers, or we add polls to Twitter, or, mm-hmm. you know, we remove something. Um, so there's all that. And then it's beyond that is sort of telling the stories of how Canadians are using Twitter day to day. So that could be politicians, that could be sports team, that could be, you know, musicians, that can be like news organizations, um, you know like stuff I, we just did like have our q4 recap because it's a lot of our guys were at ces last week yeah so it's the first day a lot of us were back in office you know you kind of go through like the quarter like stuff i worked on you know the gray cap for like football uh there was like municipal elections in manitoba nova scotia we did some like data around that mm-hmm. um there's an election in the yukon we we did a whole like trust and safety like event because as you know you know kind of like harassment and like safety is a growing issue on twitter yeah we did all sorts of like year in review on twitter you know like top 10 most mentioned politicians top 10 most mentioned athletes mm-hmm. what were canada's most retweeted tweets of the year like we did a viewing party on election night uh for the u.s god we did like stuff with the toronto blue jays in the playoffs yeah um like all sorts of stuff we're just like really kind of busy like sort all of this... telling the stories about the different things happening on the platform pretty much yeah yeah and i think you know i think it's a nice uh differentiator we you're not recording now are you? oh yeah, yeah oh okay <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> i didn't realize sorry no, but, no, no, no no yeah um yeah i mean i think it's a nice uh differentiator we have is that you know, Twitter is so integral to the news cycle and we're like open access. So for us, you know, I, every day I speak to media, not just in Toronto, but right across Canada. So we sort of have the leniency to, uh, you know, tell all these stories and pull data and, you know, speak to media right across country, which is one of the things I love about working yeah. uh, for it. It's just there's so much variety. That's amazing. So I, I, I need to ask you, you know, you, you talked about different Canadians and different people, top 10 and, and so on. So at Norm, Norm Kelly. <laughs> sure, yes. So he actually happens to be my counselor where I live. Okay. Um, so you're in Scarborough. I'm in Scarborough. Okay. Um, and, you know, sometimes it seems that he um, is more proud of, of, of his tweets and, and his standing, um, uh, you know, versus doing anything substantive. Sure. Um, and he's been around, like, forever and of course. ever. yeah. Um, but what is it about what his team... Um, is doing and has done that uh, makes him like the most is, is he the like the most followed politician um he's the second the most in can i mean trudeau's the most followed with okay. just over two million followers i mean I, I suppose i mean if you say stephen harper is still a politician i sure. guess technically I mean, he's not in office anywhere now but he's still sort of uh lurking he's, still, lurking. Up to he's say. still around yeah, yeah yeah so he's got over a million followers and then norm kelly is is next yeah close to last and he's a counselor he's a city counselor in toronto yeah, yeah i mean so if you compare that to any city councilor in any other city across canada I mean, yeah it's, he's it's not even the not mayor even close i mean I, I think with him i mean a lot of his followers he got in 2015 when he just sort of tied into you know stuff that drake was doing on the twitter and mm-hmm. you know he kind of forged that relationship with with drake and you know he kind of quote unquote defended him against Meek Mill and you know, then like the Ovo Fest, you know, he was he was up on kind of the 
the stage at the Molson Amphitheater, I guess Budweiser stage, they're yeah. now calling it. It, you know, it was, it was sort of a time and place, and he just, you know, he really ran with it, and, you know, he's just really steady on Twitter, so he gained so many followers from that. Like, a lot of his followers aren't in Toronto. No. Um, either. It's not to say he doesn't have a lot of followers in Toronto, sure. but he's, you know, he just took it to the next level. Um, like, in terms of, you know, is this, you know, there's been stuff written about it. Is this a distraction? Should he spend more time on, you know, civic matters instead of, you know, crafting, you know, all these, like, clever <laughs> tweets and, like, selling, you know, t-shirts and whatnot? You know, in my opinion, if if this is what he's using to, like, really reach people, and yeah, like, not everyone's from Toronto, and it's, you know, some of it's kind of fun and kind of playful, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's local politics at the end of the day, and as he said, I mean, this is a guy who's been, you know, in politics locally, and he also, like, has done stuff federally, too, so, you yeah. know, he's, he's sort of seen everything and done everything. The reality is, I mean, really, how much time would he be spending doing this? I True. mean, yeah, maybe if he tweets five times a day and, you know, four of them are jokes... <laughs> I mean, people don't really know what he's doing, like, all the rest of the time. So yeah. it's, it's you know, it's not like he's, like, laboring over these tweets for, you know, hours and hours and hours. If he wants to do that as part of his persona and, you know, part of that is connecting with people and making people smile, I mean, more power to him, in my opinion. Your your thoughts on Donald Trump and, and his use of Yeah, Twitter. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, he's certainly obviously the world's most uh, well-known Twitter user at this time. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it's been very, very interesting. There's really been no precedence of somebody at his level, just sort of that raw and filtered use of Twitter amongst politicians. Um, you know, we, we were like talking about this in the office recently, like just, you know, what would be the closest equivalent? And, you know, the closest we could think, you know, in terms of Canadian and the tonality is not at all the same as, as how, you know, the president elect tweets, mm-hmm. uh, but would be like Marinenci in Calgary, in my opinion, someone who would just, you know, kind of use it off the cuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly it's him tweeting, you know, in both cases. Like I remember I was in Calgary for the, uh, I guess it was the first or second, like uh, debate, uh, supposed to say last year in 2015, um and then she's like front row and he's like live tweeting and like half his tweets were about how his battery was about to run out and you know this is the mayor of canada's you know third or fourth biggest city um so you know i'd say he's the closest equivalent but like in terms of donald trump i mean love him or hate him i mean the weight that his tweets have is just like astronomical like people are almost like kind of just waiting like they report on pretty much every single tweet he sends at this yeah, point like he'll send a tweet out about boeing and their stocks crash yeah i mean it's amazing it's or, unbelievable yeah or you know he tweets about meryl streep and that's you know yeah it's like front page of like entertainment tonight or like hello magazine so um i mean he's certainly one of the most prolific tweeters that uh, mm-hmm. we have right now and you know certainly something that the platform's never seen before um you you talked about um the aspect of bullying earlier on um you guys did a a, a session or a workshop um you know tell tell me about how um you know twitter is approaching that whole idea of online bullying and and how we could i guess lend support to to those who find themselves at the at the uh the wrong end yeah absolutely and i mean it, it's something we're putting a growing focus on i mean our, our ceo jack dorsey is you know he's mentioned this and you know kind of public statements and whatnot how uh you know safety tools are like a growing import and like i mentioned here in toronto we, we mm-hmm. had an event last november the position of strength um that just talked about you know what is twitter like in this day and age for women on the platform so we actually mm-hmm. had like a really interesting array of guests 
uh, come in and, and you know it was, it was quite a long event it was about three hours and wow. just you know, all these different viewpoints of women on Twitter and what their experience has been like so mm-hmm. uh, we had from here right here in Toronto like city councilor Kristen Wong Tam came yes. on uh, and you know she's had challenges on Twitter she's had a lot of challenges off Twitter as well, well I mean it, it's kind of interesting because she actually used Twitter to post you know letters that she got when she was running for council just you know horrible racist and, wow and uh also as a queer woman too mm-hmm. um you know she's kind of had people coming at her from a few different directions uh we had sachi cole come on from uh buzzfeed who you know yeah she's, yeah, she's been like you know very you know critical and, you know, of us and you know i think a lot of her points are warranted like she you know she raises a lot of fair points mm-hmm. so it's something yeah we're, we're very aware of and you know we are making changes to the platform to try to address it so Mm -hmm. i mean one of our most recent ones is now you can mute any keywords you want so if there's certain words you'd never want to see um in your notifications you can just mute them outright oh interesting so those tweets will not be part of your feed exactly yeah so if they came certain certain keywords they'll they just won't show up for you um i mean in recent years you know we've also like really you know stuff like blocking and muting you know stuff like that is a really easy way just to to remove uh, people might be coming at you. Um, and also, like, we've just, I, th- I think we've really, really improved in terms of, you know, responsiveness if people are getting reported. And, you know, there's still, like, a lot of work to do. Like, you know, yeah. we're not saying we've solved the problem by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's an ongoing process. And, you know, as you see, all the social platforms are dealing with this, too. Like, our, certainly our partners are as well. I've always approached Twitter as, like, a, <laughs> a, a public utility. You know, it, yeah. it's, al- it's almost like um, the ability to uh, to have data. You know, and Twitter almost, you know, for me, go hand in hand. Um, you know, so I've always seen it that way. So it's very, I can understand sort of the um, the position that a platform like Twitter f- could find itself in in terms of, you know, do we want to, you know, all of a sudden start kicking people off because we don't like them. Yeah. You know, you sort of got to make guidelines because once you cross that line or make that one decision, how do you come back? Yeah, of course. You know, and- from it. Yeah, I mean, the, the way, what we do, I mean, our, our terms of use are very clear and they're available to anybody, whether you're on Twitter or not, mm-hmm. or, you know, you're thinking of signing up or you just want to review them. They're all right there in terms of conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this covers stuff like, you know, harassment or kind of, you know, certainly if you're putting anything like illegal on Twitter, you know, that's going to get you shut down. Um, but, you know, there's other stuff just to do with, like, spam. You know, you can't set up, like, multiple accounts and tweet the exact same thing mm-hmm. from every single account simultaneously through, you know, like a third-party yeah. uh, product or something. So, you know, the, there are, like, very kind of very specific terms of use. Mm-hmm. And if there are violations of those, we'll look at them and act accordingly. We have. I mean, we've, we periodically announce, like, something, you know, in terms of, like, terrorism. Like, we, we've made public announcements about just the sheer number of like accounts we've suspended with related to like something like ISIS, for example, Mm. there's, there's reports we've put out where you can check those, you know, it's in the hundreds of thousands at this point. Um, so it's something like we're very proactive on. And and like I said, we are getting better at responding, um, when people do file, you know, a ticket on something, you know, Mm -hmm. if they see something out there that, you know, there's, there's an actual human on the other side looking at it. Um, I think more and more, it's just, if you are going to come on Twitter, you're right. It is sort of like an open platform and, you know, there's, Within that, you know, you're going to meet, it's just like walking down the street, you'll meet people of all different shapes and sizes, yeah. I guess. Um, so I think, you know, it's a good idea just to get a sense of, you know, what their terms of use are. But also, you know, just if you do need to report something, you do need to reach out just for, you know, even if you lose your password or something. Yeah. How do you get in touch with us to get help? Yeah, absolutely. I know there. Well, so, so I won't ask you, how do I get verified? <laughs> <laughs> sure. We'll save that for off. Uh, Theory offline. Yeah. Um, 
you when I say you guys, I mean Twitter. You guys just kicked off Martin Shrelly. Yes, I think I, I pronounced his last name correctly. Um, what what's I know that just just happened today, if if I'm uh, correct. A few days ago. A few yeah. days ago. What was um any feedback on that from the Twitterverse? Yeah, you know, really, like we we don't typically comment on individual accounts or individual okay, incidents. So I'll just say with him. I mean. I mean, it, it's been well documented in, you know, various articles on the topic. You know, there was a certain reporter that uh, he was, you know, I guess contacting or reaching out to on Twitter that was in violations of the terms of service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we took a look and said, yeah, this this doesn't fly here. Um, and we took action. I mean, there's really not much else to say about it other than sure. that. Um, but, you know, it, it's sort of an example of the fact that we do we do act on these things. You know, someone even like that who's you know very much in the public eye you know, it sort of had been a very divisive uh, public figure in other areas too. You know, there are things that we look at and if, you know, it does violate, you know, how, how the account's set up and what those terms of use are, you know, we will act accordingly. Cool. Um, I put out a note on Facebook, so I've got some, some questions. Okay. Um, sorry for when I say Facebook. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Akil wants to know, your thoughts on what Wendy's has recently been doing? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's been interesting. And also, yeah, I don't, you know, someone who's worked for, God, like 12, 13 years in PR, I, I think we've seen this across the board in terms of how brands speak to their customers. And, you know, it's sort mm-hmm. of, I mean, you work in like marketing and yeah. digital and all this stuff too. You know, authenticity is, it, it's one of those words that's sort of like it doesn't mean anything because you just hear it so much. Yeah. But, more and more, you just like it's almost like it's way more casual than it used to be. Whereas you know before, you know you will, you, I don't know how old you are, but you know you you listen to, like radio ads from like the seventies and the eighties, and it's just you know people don't actually talk like that. You yeah. know how you see it, and now you know you see brands, whether it's on social media or even just like in in you know they they speak in sort of the language of the day, and I think kind of the tonality with you know whether it's Wendy's or whoever else runs their social channels kind of reflects that mm-hmm. too. And yeah, like Wendy's gets kind of playful and you know goes back and forth. Uh, so yeah, like I, I think that's fun. I mean, you know, it's hamburgers and it's frosties. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if I if it was maybe like a, a lending institution speaking like that, you know, it might be a bit questionable in terms of kind of the Fair tonality. Uh, but for something like that, like I, I think it's fine. I think you just have to be really careful for a few reasons again like you work in digital marketing i think yeah. just consistency of voice is really important it's got to make sense yeah and it's just yeah. you know if you're gonna have a, a brand that's gonna speak like that it just has to be consistent you know you can't have you know somebody run it nine to five you know monday to friday and then someone else takes it on the weekend and, and it's clearly a different person yeah <laughs> running it so i mean yeah and i think you just have to be careful too that you don't go too far with things and you know stuff does happen and you know ad week is like full of kind of like social media and PR faux pas that you do see. Yes. Uh, so if you are going to commit to that, you do have to be, in my opinion, like really careful that you don't True. take it too far and too playful. And at the end of the day, it is sort of, you know, the voice of whatever brand you're representing, whether it's like agency or like someone who works internally. That makes sense. Um, Andrew has, as a, 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 I guess a thought starter here and it's, uh, and it's long, but let me read. I think it was, I thought it was very, very interesting. So Andrew Jenkins says, I'm curious to know how you would describe Twitter now um, and what they would define as its value prop. And he continues, I realize that might sound odd, but I remember the conversation I had with someone from Google who downplayed Google Plus as a social network and positioned it as a spine or connective tissue connecting all of your Google properties. 
Twitter used to ask, what are you doing? Now it tells you what is happening. Does that mean it is no longer social, but rather a news channel? And then he finally ends off, I've always believed it should be considered a utility to some degree, so I am wondering how Cam would describe it or how he is allowed to describe it. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm curious, yeah, like, yeah. you know, when you first started using Twitter and, and, and Twitter today, like, has it changed? What What is it now? How do you position that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing about Twitter, and, you know, I, I think this also reigns true for, like, most social platforms is... You know, it, it's kind of created and its creators, you know, have a certain thing in mind. And then it's really up to the users to define, you know, how mm -hmm. it's actually used. So, you know, with something like Twitter, you know, hashtags are really something that the users invented. And, yeah. you know, if you read kind of the history of hashtags, they come from, I think, like kind of ICQ chats or like, you know, this, this sort of, you know, certain online language that was sort of pervasive, I guess, in like the early 2000s or the 1990s. I should probably read more upon this topic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, how would change? Like, I, I, I think, it, you know, it, it's it might, it's a place to find out what's happening. It really is, and you know, in in my opinion, the two areas that nowhere else online will ever beat us are brevity and velocity. Mm -hmm. uh, like I say this all the time, because I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're still 140 characters. Like we've played with it a bit, and now you can add photos, and that doesn't count. But it's still, you know, short, concise snippets of information. Mm -hmm. um, so it's that. And that's velocity, you know. Mm -hmm. For me, like, I, I still remember, like, probably the first time that it kind of, like, clicked for me, Twitter, was it was probably, like, because I was on, like, fairly early, I think, like, the spring of 2008 or the fall. Um, like, I was working for, like, a PR agency in Toronto, and, and I was just sitting at my desk one day, like, it was Tuesday or something. It sort of felt like there was an earthquake, and there was, like, construction. Next I remember story. that day. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just went on. I searched earthquake right away, and I thought, I'm going to be really clever. I'm going to be the first person in Toronto. And, of course, there's, like, hundreds of people that, like, already said this. I'm like, wow, this this is, like, different, you know. This is – I'm not sure what this is. Like, before, I don't know what you would have done in 2008 if you thought there was an earthquake other than talk to your neighbor um you know you still see this to this day like news breaks and what's the first thing people do they like hop on twitter a lot of people mm -hmm. um and for some people that's you know kind of a primary use you know maybe they don't go out every day but if there's something they need information on right away mm -hmm. whether it's a subway closure or you know something happens on the golden globes and they want to see what people are saying or you know toronto blue jays just eliminate the texas rangers whatever it is and they want to see people's reaction mm -hmm. uh Twitter is still the best place to get that immediately. You know, yeah. I, I guess formerly, you know, years ago, I suppose something like talk radio yeah. um, used yeah. to be that. But yeah. it is kind of like the voice of the people. And, you know, it's a reflection of what people are saying. And, you know, we, we see this, you know, we see this during U.S. election campaign. It's not always pretty what people are saying, but it is a reflection of what's out there. Um, and for people that like information and like to be informed and like to be in the moment, um, you know, I think that's really... The value proposition and you know there's millions of people if not billions around the world who you know i think would put themselves in that category yeah absolutely um former ceo of twitter current ceo of medium yeah evan williams um he recently announced that they were shutting down uh, medium's ad platform model that they're trying to build out um hesse uh is curious about um, obviously different platforms, uh, but in light of of that and sort of the struggles that we're seeing um, with uh, uh, on online newspapers and such in terms of, you know, what 
avenues do they take to generate revenues? Um, your your thoughts on the whole ad platform model? Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of like digital ads. You know, it's sort of it's it's a big part of the online experience. And you know, it's again, this has not changed with media. You know, when you, everyone was reading newspapers, ads in the newspaper were a big part of what that was. I mean, there used to be entire sections that were just you know classified ads. Yeah. Um, I I think the key thing for any platform or any anything online, if you're going to have like an ad component, this could just be if you have like a WordPress blog, is you just have to think how are people consuming that media, and if you are going to you know I guess monetize that for lack of a better term, how can you do that in a way that's complementary, not disruptive, um, seems natural, seems targeted, um, and how can you do that in a really efficient way? And you know it's. It takes some time sometimes to figure that out. And with us, you know, again, I think one of the great things for Canadian brands who are dealing with Twitter is that we, we do have a real personal touch. You know, we have like a brand strategy team. We have a research team. We have a, like a large sales team. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we'll integrate like our media partners. Sometimes we'll bring like Pierre in the room, like myself, if, you know, they, they want to get, you know, we're, they're doing something really innovative on Twitter. Um, that we can bring custom solutions. And now that, you know, we have a full suite of video products, you know, we've had brands do like promoted periscope campaigns like mm-hmm. we had mcdonald's do like national french fry day i remember that yeah yeah it was just like as a periscope of french fries cooking and like like i think it was like over a hundred of thousands of <laughs> canadians watching these french fries cook. like we actually went out and got french fries because it was it's delicious yeah <laughs> um looking so we have stuff like that you know we have people doing promoted polls on various topics yeah. um you know it's sort of customization and how do you become part of that conversation and in, in in effective way so you know if you're you want to speak to like you know again i you know i think it's a good thing about advertising on twitter or partnering with us if you want to reach like toronto blue jay fans well you know there's 162 games you know exactly when they're going to be yeah you know we can help you figure out which of the users you know uh a you know are interested in toronto blue jays and b how to speak to those users without you know kind of disrupting them, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that maybe they'll be receptive to whatever it is you're trying to say to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a key with, like, a, a digital advertising. is like targeting is, like, really important. You know, again, you hear this a lot. Like, how do you do ads that are, like, are sticky that people are actually going to yes. see? Because, you know, yeah. uh, the reality is we all flick through our phones and our iPads, like, so quickly. And, you know, how much stuff actually resonates with mm-hmm. us. And, you know, it's cutting through that noise. But, again, I, I don't think that's fundamentally different than radio advertising or print advertising or tv advertising or like outdoor billboards you know yeah. if you're in the subway and you know you're plastering the station with whatever message how do you get people to like retain like what to it stop is? and yeah yeah and actually like absorb that and think about that and you know when they hop on the subway you like remember that that's so true uh, as a user what's your your favorite thing about twitter um you know, I, I'm definitely like I, I I love the brevity of it. Like yeah. I just like knowing what's going on in that moment. Um, I I think also like you know I I love the customization of it. Like I always think a really good way to get like a snapshot. Like I'm almost thinking like if you're gonna date somebody seriously or you you know or like even like a coworker, mm-hmm. um, look at who they follow on Twitter. Like it's probably you can probably piece a lot together about that person's personality, <laughs> not just their interests, but you know, I, I, me personally, I don't follow that many people. Yeah. Um, and I don't really follow that many people I know. I follow like a lot of like news organizations, some sports writers, a few kind of like 
like music type websites, you know, some some people I work with, a few friends, and that's kind of it. Like mm-hmm. I like to keep it fairly lean. But then what I do is I have all sorts of lists that I create. So I go. have like the entire liberal cabinet. I'll look at that. I have like a list of like every single player on the the 2017 Toronto Raptors. Every single player is on Twitter, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. So I'll, I'll look at that. I have lists of you know, like every team in the NHL. So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. I think lists are actually like a very underrated element of Twitter. And certainly, you know, if you're looking to kind of partition yeah. the type of news you're following. Yeah, you know, I have lists of like PR agencies in Toronto. I just like to see what they're saying and yeah. to keep an eye on our PR agency. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I, I use a list exclusively. Yeah. You know, as uh, as sort of the main feed that I look into. And then when I want to sort of discover... I'll, I'll go back to sort of the people that I'm following. Yes. You know, for, for just sort of general stuff um, outside of, you know, what I, I really want to follow, what these people are thinking about and doing. Yeah. You know, which I find really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, and it was it was very interesting, and I don't know which sort of election crystallized it for me. Um, it it might have been, been Rob Ford. I, I, I don't recall. Um, but, you know, if if you were to... Uh, you know, back when he was elected four or five years ago, I can't remember when it was. Um, when he was elected as mayor, if you were to take a poll of, of sort of the commentary of people in Toronto uh, who were on Twitter, you would say there was no way this man was going to win, you know. Um, and, and he goes goes on and wins it. Uh, and, and, and so you think, OK, maybe there's a certain type of individual that, that is engaged on Twitter. And then you take a look at what has happened with Donald Trump, sure. you know, whereby it's like, you know, he's the most prolific user, political user um, of Twitter. Um, and he goes on and wins it and you go, well, I, well, I thought there was different types of people, yeah. you know, that, that were on this. Um, I'm curious in terms of the the way that you guys have taken a look at Twitter to, in order to sort of predict things. I'm, I'm curious if that has ever come up. Yeah, I mean... Normally when we pull data and we put data out and, you know, myself as the head of communications, like I'm the point on this, um, you know, we we are very careful in how we position this. Like mm-hmm. we, we never put stuff out and say, here's a prediction of who's going to win this because of this is what people are saying on Twitter. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's that's kind of, a, you know, kind of a false narrative. Uh I mean, what what Twitter is, is a snapshot of conversations at any one point in time. But, you know, we, we acknowledge, you know, not everyone in, on the planet is on Twitter. We'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, chances are, if they're not on Twitter, they're seeing our content elsewhere. I mean, we call that syndicated content because, yeah. you know, every single news organization, you know, it seems like half the articles these days are just collections of tweets. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what I think Twitter is really useful for is getting, like, a pulse on what people are saying. Like, it's not an absolute. Okay. Um, but, you know, we saw this last fall. You know, certainly Trump had, like, a lot of supporters on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a lot of them with a lot of strong opinions and a lot that were just more measured opinions. You know, there's just, like, there's literally millions and millions and millions of tweets spilled about the U.S. election uh, so, I mean, to throw it back, you know, four or five years to, you know, when Rob Ford was running, um, you know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, his base was maybe a bit more blue collar and, you know, mm. a bit less downtown than someone like John Tory or maybe some of the other candidates. Um, you know, it's his his brother, Doug Ford, just put out a book. He was actually just in our office yeah. like six weeks ago or so. 
Um, and there was all sorts of questions answered. And, you know, he had a lot of fans on Twitter. And, you know, yeah. some of the media that, you know, are very supportive of the Ford family, like, you know, like Joe Warmington from, like, the Toronto <laughs> Sun or, you know, people of this nature. Um, you know, they're out there, too. So, I mean, there, there was, like, a, a, a mass of people on Twitter. But, you mm-hmm. know, at the same time, I think anybody on any single platform to say this is like an absolute snapshot of what people are saying is, is probably not true. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, it, it can be like, you know, a glimpse into, you know, you know, perhaps like on a, a different scale, like a, certainly a significant scale, but, you know, but it, it does give like have an indication of what people are saying. It just, again, I, th- I think it would just be foolish to say this is an absolute, you know, mm-hmm. indicator of anything. And it's the same, like we saw, all the polls suggested like Hillary Clinton would win. Yeah. And she didn't, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, where, where, how do you know anymore? Like, you know, you social media is saying this, traditional media is saying this, polls are saying this, you go down to like, you know, your local, I don't know where people hang out in person, your local community center, you know, yeah. your town hall and people are saying something else. Um, you know, the answer is as always is chances are it's somewhere in between. And, you know, until stuff actually like plays out, like you don't really know, you just sort of, gather information from all these sources and you know you kind of process it and then you see what happens Mm -hmm. as as somebody who's in digital media um you know always you know looking for you know what's sort of new and upcoming um you know what what are some of the newer things uh on the platform uh that whether you know their agencies or companies um that you feel should be taking a look at yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, video is mm-hmm. huge. And this is, you know, obviously not just us. You know, people are consuming more and more video on all their devices. You know, once it became sort of, uh, I guess, financially viable to watch video on your cell phone, you, yeah. know, you know, this yeah. this really exploded. Um, so for us, you know, this is live streaming content. In mm-hmm. the last six months, we've had all sorts of live streaming deals um, with different organizations. The most recent one was with the PGA. So we're going to be airing. Uh, footage from live footage from 31 different PGA tournaments mm-hmm. uh, in the coming months, including the Canadian Open, uh, which is very cool. So, yeah. you know, for good news for golf fans in, in Canada. Um, this season, we're going to have uh, out of market Major League Baseball games streaming in their entirety on Twitter, which wow. is awesome. Yeah, which is going to be really, really cool. Um, so, out of market means, you know, if you're here in Toronto, you won't be able to watch Blue Jay games necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but you will be able to watch, you know, games from the there's 29 yeah. other teams you know we had the federal election uh or sorry the presidential debates we had you know footage of those we had an election night special that we co-produced with buzzfeed which is very cool yeah um that aired you know we had wimbledon tennis we've had like esports which like you know a huge category we do a whole podcast just on like gaming and like mm-hmm. you know, e-league and whatnot um we've had red carpet specials from like the suicide squad movie premiere um, so more and more, like, it's this sort of live streaming content. And then, again, you know, this is another thing that we can work with our partners. You know, if they do want to reach audiences, they're looking at these. You know, mm-hmm. how how can they do that? How can we, you know, insert ads that, again, kind of complement the experience? Um, so there's that. And then, obviously, like, Periscope and, like, live streaming just from, like, everyday users is, is growing and, you know, continue to be, like, more and more uh, significant for all the media platforms. Yeah. And, you know, we certainly see with some of our... Uh, contemporaries in the I guess, social media space, yeah. you know, really kind of pushing this mandate. So like live stuff, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think just like video content of all kind, and you know, mm-hmm. we just in the last six months as well, we also just augmented um, the average account how much just like native video they can put up. So if you like shoot like a okay. video on your phone, uh, now you can upload up to under 140 seconds uh, video, whereas before I think it was like 30 seconds. Okay, just for like an average account. So yeah. 
I mean, the 140 seconds is not was a coincidence. It was to align with her 140 character mm-hmm. count as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think videos like really going to be kind of where a lot of our attention is going to be this year. You, I, I want to sort of end off because you've got your uh, the name of your podcast completely ignored. Yes. How did? How? Where's that name come from? Um, it's it's actually a, from a lyric in a, a song by the uh, band Bright Eyes. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar. No, with I'm their, not. Uh, kind of like I guess I don't know. I think they're sort of on a hiatus or like indefinite hiatus. Okay. Yeah, like it was just. I don't know. It was it was sort of a bit of the goof on like someone you know has worked in PR a long time and dealt with a lot of bloggers and you know (laughs) bloggers of all different size you know some are great and like you know you know some of my best friends are bloggers um you know also serving acknowledgement that you know everyone had a blog when I was starting this so like I'm just gonna start blogging sort of acknowledge that you know it's probably gonna be like like 10 people I know are gonna look at it I hear you um so it was was kind of playful on that and yeah it's sort of interesting it's sort of like we're saying off the top, like I, I've written a lot about music and had like other iterations of other blogs over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one, yeah. So this one is, I started about three years ago and then I started the podcast with uh, my friend Sammy Cohn, who uh, some of your listeners may know as the drummer from The Watchmen, Ken mm. Con Rockers of uh, saying Boneyard Tree and other yeah. hits of the 90s. Um, so Sammy and I hosted and we have kind of people with a point of view on music and we just asked them to come on choose an album come ready to talk about the album um it can be an album they love an album that resonated with them an album they just think is interesting uh, we've had some really great guests we've got members of broken social scene members of sloan um you know a lot of kind of like radio personalities we've had like jeff woods on uh, we've had reina who used to be on indie 88 now on cbc radio we've had all sorts of interesting guests so it's a lot of fun and then you know i kind of wind that into the blog and you know have some content both uh, online and off Nice, nice. Um, there's a is, is this is not the same Sammy that works at Twitter, is it? Uh, formally, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh no way. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, okay, I wanted to. So, the the podcast has mainly been about music. So I figured, you know, we're we're entering 2017. We've just come through 2016. And a lot of sort of music fans will go, you know, that's sort of the the year that music died. It was like everyone was dying every it, – it almost seemed every week. Seemed that way. A hero yeah. was going away. Of course. You know. Um, so I, I just want to throw some names at you. Yeah. Um, and they're so, going to die this year? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Your prediction. they no. Mormon. You've, Mormon you, yeah. you've already told me that we can't predict right now. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we'll just look back. Okay, sure. Um, Prince. Like what are my thoughts on yeah, Prince? Yeah, yeah like a unique artist like I'll, I'll be honest I'm like i was never a huge fan like i like some of his songs uh certainly like a very prolific artist like somebody who you know really the last 20 years i don't think too many people were kind of diving deep into you know what he was putting out mm-hmm. really you know he every it seemed like every few years he'd have an album that was so prince's back but you know it probably is like last big top 40 hits were like kind of Diamonds and Pearls and uh, mm-hmm. the the most beautiful girl in the world and Cream, you know mm. these singles that were from kind of the early '90s and I guess just part of that, like even his Batman soundtrack. Yeah, like a really unique artist. Very hard to categorize, yeah. you know, because he's not really like R and B and he's not really funk and he's not really rock and he's not really new wave, but he's kind of all those things. Yeah, 
but really just like catchy mal- melodies like you know kind of like a sh- i swear yeah this is like a shit hot guitar <laughs> player yeah uh you know really short like just just really unique artists uh and yeah like it's i don't know like it, it's so much mystery like for someone to have that much mystique you know in the present day is is pretty remarkable because you know some celebrities just live their life so much in the public eye this sort of scaled back is really sort of difficult mm-hmm. but you can't manage to do it yeah uh so yeah like a big loss was was there was there an artist um th- that that passed last year that's you sort of go oh shit um god that that's a good question i mean like like david bowie to some degree like mm-hmm. again like i always liked him and you know i i liked i liked labyrinth when i was a kid yeah. and stuff and like you know he's sort of one of those guys like it didn't matter if you're a punk or like a metalhead or a top 40 or you know disco or hip-hop like it seemed to be so universally loved yeah um but, you know at the same time like you know he, he wasn't a young guy and again he didn't sort of off the radar um yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I I don't know. Like Leonard Cohen was, you know, great, but you know, yeah. he's older. You know, he's in his 80s. Mm-hmm. Like George Michael was young, but it's also you know when these people disappear from the public eye for so many years. Yeah, and no one really seems to know what's going on. Like there's you know there's some sort of famous people that you know would fit in this category. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any like kind of younger. I'll see like someone like Q-Tip dying is sort of a bit more kind of impactful because he was like in his 40s and also like you know i sort of children of the 90s you know and and again i was not really huge tribe called quest fan like again i like some of their songs i certainly see why they're important um but guy like that dying you know he's i think he's like 45 or 46 is sort of you know sort of of my generation a Mm -hmm. bit more Mm -hmm. because i'm like in my late 30s yeah um you know that was sort of unfortunate but uh yeah, I don't know if anyone like kind of resonated more. Like David Bowie was also because it was right as the year started too. So yeah, it was right at the beginning of, like, of the year. Yeah, and then like all those, yeah, everyone was saying how bad the year was in the news cycle with all the kind of shootings and stuff, mm. and it sort of put like a real damper on that yeah. early part of the year and kind of right through like election day and towards the fall and Brexit and you know it's quite the year in the news cycle. Yeah, it has been. It has been. Um, tragically hip and Gore Downey. What What are your thoughts on? on the importance of, of that band in, in Canada. Yeah, I mean, well, I think this was, like, written by a few people, and I, I do agree. Like, I, I don't think there'll ever be another band like that in Canada. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't see rock bands sort of resonating that broadly. Like, a lot of people say, well, who are their heir parents? You know, people say, well, it's the Arkells, or, you know, it's it's this band or the other. I mean, they, for, like, a certain generation, were kind of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of an interesting band, because, you know, if you grew up in Toronto, kind of one of the few bands you would steadily hear on, like, Q107, but also, yeah. like, Edge 102. Yeah. Um, you know, they started... I remember seeing, like, a read something about them in the mid-90s. I thought it was pretty on the nose. And, like, I, th- I, th- I think they're great. Like, I love a lot of their songs. But they're... They had a mildly interesting bar band with an eccentric for a lead singer. Yeah. So that was yeah, pretty much. You know, they they were pretty blue collar, but like Gordana was just kind of out there. Like I always thought his sort of contemporary, and I think I saw this written too, and I thought that's I don't agree, but it's kind of interesting. His contemporary is almost like Michael Stipe from REM. Hmm. Um, we're just like very kind of like for 
verbose in like all the best ways because yeah. you know he's a lyricist too you know these songs that were just kind of almost like kind of like slightly mystical at times sure. um but you know when they but they'd also you'd hear them like in muskoka and stuff you know you'd hear them from you know kind of like the it's more kind of the frat boy crowd but I, I thought Tragic Hip were like kind of their last 10 years was really interesting because I mean Gord Danny would show up you know you'd, yeah he'd still put out an album the Tragic Hip every few years but then he'd show up you know playing with the Sadies or yeah. you know doing stuff with like Fucked Up or yeah. um, you know he started to really broad like I actually made an infographic for my blog uh, outlining the first 17 years of the Coachella Festival all the Canadian artists that had played I did Down By Year I saw that, yes. Yeah, so it had, I remember it was like, you know, it's Richie Hodden in the early years, who I think is actually playing this year again, <laughs> uh, amazingly. Uh, you know, Broken Social Scene, you had Arcade Fire, you had, you know, Wolf Parade, uh, Feist played. Um, but Gord Downey actually played Coachella Festival. Like, he played, I think, five years ago. And, you know, he's, you know, if you can picture the poster, he's like, you know, the third last line. But, you know, it kind of shows, like, you wouldn't really think the singer from the Tragically Hip would be playing kind of the bastion of cool that is the Coachella Festival. Yeah. Um, so he really got out there and just, you know, he tried new things. He wrote poetry, he had his solo albums. Um, you know, I, I, I think this stuff just, you know, I guess it was probably the last time you see in public when he uh, got that honor from kind of the, the, the native tribe mm-hmm, where they actually, mm-hmm. like, I guess, like, inducted him, for lack of a better term, and he's crying and, like, Justin Trudeau's there. You know, it's, it's gonna be a big, big loss yeah. too. Like, just you know, love him or hate him. I mean, mm-hmm. big part of the fabric. And I, I don't, you know, it's, it sounds almost like hyperbole, but you know, people saying he's a kind of poet laureate. You know, if anyone under the age of like forty-five, I'd say yeah, as much as anybody. You know, in sure. Canada, like just somebody that was kind of ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's very sad. Did you see the last tour? No, I, I didn't see them. Like, I, I saw them a couple times in high school. Like, yeah. I guess 2000, or 2000, <laughs> not that young. Uh, like, 95, 96. I saw them at another roadside attraction in Markham, yeah, Ontario, yeah, yeah. Where, where I, from Thornhill. So they played with, where was like, Ziggy Marley and Matthew Sweet. I actually lost, I lost, like, $200 in cash in the mosh pit for Matthew Sweet, which is kind of humiliating of all <laughs> artists. Uh, you know, the, like even those two tours were cool because you know you bring the Reostatics out and bring Eric's trip out, and bring the Inbreds and Change of Heart, and you know, I was sort of just starting to get into like indie rock, and you mm-hmm. know, obviously you know they're filling stadiums and filling like racetracks, but he still liked all those bands, and those bands were like so supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like the the final tour, you know, it's kind of a few things. Like I'm just not big on like stadium shows. Okay, like I, I saw. I think the last stadium show I saw was maybe like Jane's Addiction at the Air Canada Center. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was like it was kind of like half full, and it was kind of cool, but it's just like you know the vibe. Yeah, yeah like people are just eating pizza, pizza and stuff, <laughs> and you know it's it's just it's not the greatest concert experience. And you know, I thought it'd be really sad. It was really expensive. It was the summer, and I don't know. Like it just I sort of I had my tragically up experience. Yeah, you know if I maybe if I hadn't seen them, yeah, um, I would have kind of shelled out for that, but. I'm also like not that big on like art. I'm seeing ours for nostalgia too, which mm. is kind of probably BS because I still see like most of the bands I like when I was like 22. But if I'd sort of seen them originally, yeah. Um, unless there's sort of a band I would see any time out, I don't really need to like go back and revisit Fair that enough. much. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say you know I'm sure the shows were great. You know I saw I watched part of that CBC the final show, yeah. which seemed incredible. I was walking around Kensington Market 
it was almost like it was a big hockey game. I remember like every bar would have it, and this again, they could be like graffitis. This mainly you know hardcore punk rock, but they had it on. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was sort of a big cultural moment. Like it really was. Did you guys measure it on on, on Twitter? Yeah, like we we did some stuff around it. We actually. Uh, I remember we like did a which songs were getting the most mentions okay. during the tour. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was because it was actually it was kind of surprising. Because um, it seemed like they ended a lot of shows with like a head by a century, but it wasn't that. Interesting. I, and it wasn't courage either. That you know seemed to be one that people would kind of quote in headlines or yeah. like Justin Trudeau. His big tweet was him hugging Gord Downey. It just said courage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was. It might have been like. At the hundredth meridian or something, you know, wow. certainly a popular song, but it, it was I was a bit surprised. So we we pulled data on that, and we also pulled we do this sometimes around kind of uh, significant things in the culture, which emojis were being used most often on Twitter. Okay, the reference of tragically hip, and mm-hmm. like, it's, it's sad, but not surprising it was like the the emoji that's crying, mm-hmm. you know, because people are very very yeah. sad about this. You know, I caught that, and it's like, oh, <laughs> it's kind of upsetting, but kind of, but. Uh, you know, right after that was like the heart emoji. So wow. yeah, so it's kind of interesting the data you can pull. And again, uh, not a complete snapshot, but you know, sure. it does give you a little pulse on on what's happening kind of in the in the culture. Yeah, um, you know, you you talked about uh, you know not not really cons- consuming music and band or bands sort of in stadium shows and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm assuming you go to like smaller venues, bars, and um, you know, smaller theaters. Uh, yeah, like I, I sort of pick my spots at this yeah. point. Cause, um, like last show I saw, I actually saw a fucked up play at the Silver Dollar over the holidays, okay. which is very you know, off for, of college, yeah, yeah, so which is very you know very uh, festive, seeing fucked up like moshing and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it is sort of filling in gaps of people I never saw. So like people I saw in 2016. Uh, I saw Art Bergman for the first time. I don't know if you know who that is. That name rings a bell. It's kind of like old school Toronto, or no, Canadian punk, I guess, icon okay. from Vancouver. Like, never really tours, you know, kind of almost like Canada's Keith Richards a little bit. Or like <laughs> Lou Reed. And he played at the horseshoe. I'd never seen him. Okay. Somehow. So I went to see him. I saw, actually, I saw Tortoise. I'd never seen them play before from Chicago. All they right. played Lee's Palace. Um, so that was pretty good. I saw beach house for about the third or fourth time They're, they were great uh who else i see you saw the julie ruin which is kind of a new old band from kathleen hannah who's in la tigra and bikini kill but yeah it's, it's funny when the most in the amphitheater they just changed their name to budweiser stage and we we're talking about at work i was trying to remember the last show i saw there like it's been over 10 years and every summer i think i should go because i i think it's great i think it's a great venue personally i like sitting on the grass and stuff but I don't think I'd seen a show there since like 2003 or so, and I think I think was, I saw Roxy Music there. Wow, who were like old then, you know? And I, I think they still play every now and then. I know Brian Ferry just played in Toronto last year, uh, so yeah, I still get out there a little bit, but certainly not as much as I did uh, back in the day. Who are who are some of the um, who are some of the bands we should be watching for in in 2017? Sort of Toronto-based Canadian-based bands. Oh. Jeez, you know, I'm probably not the best guy to ask. Um, you like, got the music podcast. Yeah, but it's, you know, again, we're still talking about, you know, kind of the hit parade of 1992 <laughs> a little bit. You've got Toronto. Or, or who who are you looking forward to, to, uh, to sort of watching in 2017? 
you know whether whether it's new albums coming out whether it's uh, shows you want to go see yeah or... actually so someone i saw last year actually another show i saw i, I got a ticket to vans had like a pop-up skate park oh for their like i think it was their 50th anniversary or 40th or 30th or something mm-hmm. uh dinosaur jr played who okay yeah, yeah yeah like you know someone i'd seen many 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 times before but opening for dinosaur jr was a uh, jazz cartier i don't know if you know a local hip-hop artist who's no. actually he's uh managed by my friend dalton higgins okay I, who th- I'm trying. Has he been on your podcast? I'm trying to remember Dalton. He was on our. No, he was on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, upstart hip hop guy. Just really good songs with a bit of an edge to him. But I was just like really taken by just his sort of presence and his persona. Um, it just just seemed like a really nice guy, but also just like seemed like someone if he wanted to be an actor, he could as well. Mm-hmm. Like just had a real natural charisma, and you know, he's starting to get booked a little bit stateside and do some stuff. He had a big show at a rebel, formerly the cool, uh, not the cool house, the, uh, sound Academy. Um, oh, so, so he seems like really. he's going places. I, I don't know if he's coming out with new stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, but I was pretty impressed by that and checked out some of his stuff, you know, like Toron- Toronto, I, I, I don't know. Like there's, you know, there's bands I know in Toronto. I don't know if they're like still around what they're up to. I was just listening to the other day for the first time in a while at Timber Timber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like them. Good winter music because mm-hmm. they're kind of like moody and the, you know, kind of like languid and stuff. I, I just thought they were great, and you know, I, they're they're a band I loved. I've never seen them live either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if they kind of pop up again. Um, I don't know. Like otherwise, like I, I'm a bit out of touch with like what's going on locally. If it's not stuff sort of more of my generation, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but yeah, like I, I, every year I try to, you know, I sort of vow to sort of get back into it. It was kind of nice when I saw Fucked Up play a band open for them, the Fake Palms, who were, who were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like a buzzy, it's like a, like indie rock, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, a bit kind of like weird song structures and, you know, kind of resonated with like some of the stuff that I, you know, I've always like kind of that sort of thing, like a good songs but a bit you know off kilter or a bit you know sonic or a bit distorted so they're pretty good so uh yeah like every year a handful of bands that kind of come on my radar you know yeah. and every year i think i should make more of an effort because like <laughs> I, I, I still do like you know when you see a band you've never heard of and then just something like clicks with you like it's pretty it's pretty fun nice nice um thanks for coming in cam yeah no problem thanks really, for having me really appreciate